tree was all the same I was under the sky, no new horizons Maybe there is no one else to Welcome back, listeners, to the Campbell's Footballs Podcast with me, Dr. Grant Campbell. We're back to the Irish League uh, series of shows. Uh, many people who listen to the show really do enjoy my chats with uh, legends of the Irish League. And I'm joined by a guy for this episode who has won the league with Cliftonville, but is also maybe looking to make it another league title or maybe some European football later on in the season. It is the Larn fullback, Tomas Cosgrove. Tomas, welcome to the show. Thank you very much for having me. Uh, great to be here. How are you keeping during these very strange times with coronavirus? And uh, first of all, how was your Christmas? No, it was good. It was actually really good because it's been the first time I've had Boxing Day off. So I have young children. So it was good to spend time with Emmons and uh, not going to bed early at Christmas night. I'm always the party paper. I'm always going home early and <laughs> have to get ready for a game the next day. So it was good to do something different and get to spend time with the family a bit more. So I enjoyed that. You mentioned there that obviously this is the first time for uh, any time in the Irish League for a long time that there's been no Boxing Day fixtures. How frustrating is that for a player like yourself and many others, of course, in the league? No, it is frustrating because, as you say, we're getting into a, a bit of momentum here and it's just cut off. But as I was saying the earlier, it's uh, it's just the way the world is at the minute. Uh, I just have to get on with it. There's people out there who's in jobs and they don't know when their next when their next going to be in. So it's just one of those things. You have to get on with it and you have to be ready when you're called upon. How have you adapted to this COVID situation that we're in? Oh, I believe the Larn have gone full time. Is that right? Has that been a major kind of focus moving forward? No, we've been full time since uh, I went there, but. Uh I think it kind of helps when you're full time. It probably helps a bit better because uh, we're going to train every day. You're we're classed as a league here, so you don't really miss out in training, and uh, we get more days in. We're as a part time teams probably only have like two nights, but we're getting a lot more put in. So kind of helps in both ways, but it kind of hinders you in ways as well because you can overdo stuff in the training ground. Yeah, absolutely. And obviously, we just said that obviously there's no Boxing Day fixtures, and I think the next game is at the start of January. It's a little bit of a block, which a break at the moment, which is a bit of a shame because you guys had just gone to the top of the league, beaten Linfield at home in Inver Park recently. Momentum was kind of on your side, wasn't it? Yeah, momentum's there. We're, we're doing really well at the minute. Uh, we're beating all the big teams around us, so that's, that's the main thing. But as you said, it's kind of killed us by uh, stopping for a week or two. But it's like that for every team. It's not just us. So we'll just have to get on with it and hopefully we can get the win here next game. Yeah, absolutely. It's, it's, it's certainly very interesting to see how other <laughs> leagues across the UK and Europe have had to adopt with all these new COVID measures and things like that. How have these been implemented at Larn and have they been positive in a range of ways? Um, it's just the, the usual where you have to wash your hands, wear a mask, uh, you have to get your temperature tucked and stuff, or there's bubbles, you're not in the same chain rooms as other people. Um, it's cra- it is, it's a bit crazy, like, but see, to be honest, you do get used to it. You get into the routine of you have to go in, get your temperature tucked, do your hands. You're not allowed in the certain areas. You go in the certain areas for meetings and stuff. So you do use that. The only the only real thing is somebody away grounds. You're going to them. You have to be already changed. Mm. You're sitting in the stand. You're cold. That uh, it's a bit of a hindrance, but every team's the same. So. Yeah, I, I wondered if it would have been much harder for the part-time teams to adopt this strategy of having to deal with these COVID restrictions more than a full-time team. As you've played for a full-time, as you are currently playing for a full-time team, as you say, has that been slightly easier to adapt to, or how would you describe it? Uh, I, I don't know, honestly. Because uh, I've, I've just been used to the full-time here mm. with uh, when it started, so I, I wouldn't be able to tell. Uh, we just got on with it at the start. It was a bit frantic. You're like, what's going on? And But you just get used to it. As I said, you get into a routine and everything just falls into place. And the people at the horn behind the scenes work very, very hard yeah. to make sure we have everything we need. Yeah. And uh, everything sorted for us to go. Yeah, absolutely. Well, we'll certainly talk a little bit more about Lauren straight at the show because I've had some, some great guests from the club on the show in the past, from Gareth Clements to Gary Haveron and recently Davey McDade. If you want to go and check out the Campbell's Football's archives, please do so. Uh, Thomas knows quite a few of these guys very, very well indeed. Some more than others, I assume, <laughs> which will be 
yet get to chat about. But it's great to have you on the show, Thomas. And you've obviously uh, had success in your career uh, to date. Looking for more, obviously, with Lauren. And I'm really excited to chat with you about that on this episode of Campbell's Footballs. My first question I'd like to ask you um, is, what made you want to go into football at the beginning of your life? Um... Uh, it was just something I've always been drawn to. I've always loved football. Uh, when you're a kid, that's all you want to do. What I always want to do. There, you can see people now, but didn't have really the playstations or anything. Then I just had a ball out the, the front of my mum's house across the street. We used to play out there till the street lights come on. Still tried to play, and I just loved it. Did, Love their ring about it. Did you see? And then you're watching. I was gonna say. Sorry, did you, I was gonna say. Did you see yourself as that tricky winger or that that kind of striker who was gonna score loads of goals? Where did you sort of see yourself at the beginning? Uh, to be honest, I just liked uh, just when you, I didn't really uh, join in the football, but more team ways. I was about 11, 12. I was just to play on the streets. So maybe like a skillful player, just trying nutmegs and stuff like that. Just Danning, just just for fun. Hmm. Uh, really and uh, until I was actually asked the joint team after going to school that was it yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I'm growing up um, from my own side, you know, there was this jumpers for goalposts, so to speak. Was that very similar in Northern Ireland? That's, that's exactly it. That's exactly it. You could find the net from anything. If it was a lamppost, <laughs> you'd put something else on the other side, and it somehow became a net. Yeah. Or a car park uh, where the cars went, there was a net. So it was just one of them. You played anywhere. We used to actually do uh, street in Ardoin, uh my street, and you played other streets, and you played for like wee trophies and stuff. So it was brilliant. I take it was very competitive and a few meaty challenges being put in. Uh, in the streets, there's no referees <laughs> in the streets, so the bigger boys seem to always get away with the dirty tackles. Yeah, <laughs> were you one of them? <laughs> no, I am we, we tiny skinny thing, so I was usually one on the end of them tackles. <laughs> <laughs> Fantastic. And the great thing about it is, you know, you can reminisce about these things nowadays because obviously that was the, the norm back in the day. But nowadays, obviously, there's loaded more technology, social media, that sort of stuff. It's maybe got a little bit lost out of people's livelihoods. Yeah, I would say so. We don't really see as many kids out uh, playing football in the streets no more, but I think that's where you learn most of your skills. Like, And you, as you said, uh, the bigger boys hitting you flipping tackles you get used to it and you become tougher maybe why some people develop quicker than the, the first thing I've ever used to get and hit them but I feel like you get uh, your skills you, you learn your skills better and what you can get away with and what you can't get away with I used to aspire to be a decent player but then I started wearing glasses at the age of nine and that prepared to my chances but you know, <laughs> that's the way that, that's the way the world spins um, in terms of footballing inspirations Tomas who were yours growing up um, big. Uh, I was a big Celtic fan when I was younger. My, uh, my uncle, he was really only really one to uh, like football in my family at the time. So he's a huge Celtic fan. So he used to bring me to the games all the time. And I have to say, obviously, Henrik Larsson. When you you're watching someone score and beat a match winner constantly, I see. I was my idol growing up, and when I got a bit older, I was Cesc uh, Fabregas from Arsenal. I just love the way he played. Um, he's a wee technical player, dead small, and wasn't afraid to get on the ball and tight areas and make stuff happen for a team, and I loved that. Yeah, terrific player. And what I loved about Fabregas was he did it not just for Arsenal, but on the international stage for Spain as well. Uh, absolute hero for me. Um, I just loved everything he'd done. Just, he was just class. He just. Just amazing. He just looked the class above everyone on the pitch, and I really liked that about him. I actually, you know, almost cried when he left Arsenal. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And obviously, when he was at Barcelona as well, you know, the way he integrated into the team. I mean, you look at some of the the characters that Spain had over the years Xavi, Iniesta, Busquets. That was a very competitive team Barcelona had back in the day as well. Yeah, some team, I think he gets overlooked because Xavi and Iniesta were that good of players. Yeah, everyone just remembers Emmons, but if you, he was the, the main focal point, then I think it was the Euros and stuff, and even at Barcelona times, he played centre-forward and let Messi run in behind. Yeah. But he, he was, I just loved him. He was unbelievable. About Arsenal as a club, were you a guy who went to Highbury or the Emirates when they were when they were still on the go? I went the I wasn't a huge Arsenal fan when I was younger. It was always Celtic. And then I got a bit older and I started watching. I love the way Arsenal play. That would yeah. be quick passing and stuff. 
it's interesting. There's quite a few guys in there actually who seem to follow us. So I think Philip Lowry at Crusaders is a big yeah, guy. Yeah, yeah. There's there's a few people that follow him. I think it's just for me. It was just the way they played, and they just always looked stylish to me. Mm-hmm. Uh, I really enjoyed them. You never watched like a boring game. And so that's what really drew me to him. I chatted to Joe Gormley on the show, and obviously Joe's a, a massive Celtic fan as well, and he talks very vividly about his memories following Celtic. What are yours? Because you talked about Larson, and and when I think of Larson, I think of some of the magnificent goals he scored in the old firm games against Rangers, and obviously that tremendous journey he had that got Celtic to that UEFA Cup final against Porto. My, my main memory of him would probably be that that final. You look at it, they're down and out, and then he, he scores two headers, the pull and bag in it. You've seen how much it meant to him and how much he gives towards the club. And how good of a player he was to stay with Celtic that long when he could have went anywhere. It just shows loyalty for me. And yeah. I think that's why he's an absolute cult hero with Celtic. Yeah, absolutely. And the way he adopted different roles. And when I chatted to Joe, he was saying that, you know, he's almost like that fox in the box at times, but he could also score stylish goals as well. And the one I remember most vividly is the one where he just chips it over Stefan Kloss in the old firm game. Uh, An unbelievable. Unbelievable. Yeah. Unbelievable to have that much composure in an old firm game to, to do something like that. But mm-hmm. I loved him the most. Uh, he wasn't the tallest of boys. No. But he seemed to always jump up and get a few headers. Yeah. I loved it. Yeah, absolutely. Were you ever to, or have you ever been to Celtic Park? I mean, to yeah, the Yeah, yeah, plenty of times. Plenty of times. Uh, as me and my uncle, as you said, he was he run a club for a while and we used to go over it constantly. Mm-hmm. Uh, that was always my uh, childhood. Always looking to go over him. Yeah, and Celtic games, especially European matches under the lights, are simply sensational. Yeah, see if you've never watched the, a game of football and uh, you went to a European game, but it's Celtic or anywhere. It's just a special, special game. Any any football match under the lights is just yeah. There's just something about it. I yeah. don't know what it is. Yeah, absolutely. And of course, Larne have had a few games under the lights this season as well. <laughs> Not just Friday night games, but the half past five games. And we'll come on to talk about them later on in the show, which I'm really excited to talk about. Let's talk about how your footballing journey started, Thomas. When did you kind of realise I want to have a really good go at the Irish League? Um, I, honestly, I, I couldn't even tell you. Um, my, my friend Rory Dunley uh, and Jay, we all hung out together when we were, when we were children. And there was um, actually Seamus and Taylor Lynch were starting off in under 18, 17 at uh, Clinville, another team, and there was a trial. And they said to me, Come on, we'll go down, just see, won't do no harm. And we went down and we done well, and we ended up in the team. And it was when you're in the team, you end up being in the reserves. And I was thinking, I want to play in that the first team there yeah. and then you go into the first team and it's just snowballs from her it wasn't really in the back of my head ever to play I just used to play football for the enjoyment was it just something that you guys thought one day okay let's go down and let's see what happens I think it was his dad said because we always used to play football there were half decent players and he used to always say why don't you just go down just give it a go it can't do any harm and we went for it and it's actually worked out for us, so yeah. it's worked out in the end, it's all good. You mentioned uh, Rory and uh, G Donnelly, and you know, two guys that have really made their mark in the Irish League in many ways. I mean, what have they done in terms of developing their own game, but also helping you as well with your own game? I don't know, obviously when you're you're playing the streets, you're always up against each other. I think it helps you if you're playing against a better player. Because they're they're very skillful players, so me getting up against them as one v one or whatever, it, it would help you in that aspect or help you pass in ways you don't want to be shown up by them. Mm-hmm. So I think it just push each other on, maybe. Yeah, yeah. No, absolutely. I think that's very interesting to see this battling right from the very start. It certainly sharpens the mind, not just on and off the pitch, but also physically as well. And I think that's very important. That's that's exactly what I mean. Uh, when, as I say, when you play out in the street, you're playing against boys a lot older than you, and then off jump things you don't. So you might see them do something, you'd be like. That was good. I wonder how he does that. And then you go home, practice it a bit, and then you bring it back out and try and use it on the street. Yeah, absolutely. We talked about Cliftonville there just briefly. I, I, I want to ask you a very kind of open-ended question here. What does Cliftonville mean to you as a club? Uh, I absolutely love Cliftonville. Anyone who knows me, uh, it's my local team. Um, it really meant a lot to me to get the, the play from them when you're from the local area. Uh, 
and expect you to win. They expect you to win the league and stuff. But I'm, I, as Joe, we're both from the same area, and it's massive. Everyone's cheering you on, though. But it can be a bit of a hindrance as well when you get beat, mm-hmm. and they're they're all asking you what happened at the weekend. You don't even really want to speak about it, stuff yeah. like that. But yeah, it really meant a lot to me. It still does. The I love the club. Everyone, everyone knows that. Of yeah. supporting them from as a kid, so it did mean a lot to me, and it was it was pretty hard for me to to leave when I did. When you broke into the Cliftonville team for the very first time, what was your overall feelings about that? You must have been extremely buzzing and really excited to get involved this sort of new beginning. But at the same time, you were maybe conscious of you know I have to do well here because I'm playing for my boyhood team. This is a, a big chance for me to really showcase what I can do. Um, I think. See, at that time, it was all men in the team. There was no real young boys. It was maybe just me. Me and Joe and boys and all were a bit older than me. Connor Devlin, I was the youngest. And if you'd done something wrong in training, they, they would let you know. So it was just a, it was a bit nerves. But I, I think it's helped me. At the time, I was always like, these boys are on my back I'm constantly here about possession and stuff. I was like, what? Their problem, but see now you can see it was helping you to play under pressure and to get used to certain situations. And when the going got tough, they always did look after you and uh, helped you out when you needed it. Yeah, absolutely. You mentioned Connor Devlin there, a guy you know very well because obviously he's now playing with you at Warren as well. What was he in terms of an inspiration for yourself? Because, you know, he's always had a bit of experience as well. He'd been on the books at one of the biggest clubs in, in football in Manchester United. You know, that must have been a bit of an intimidation for you at a start, I suppose. But also, I look at, you know, this guy's played at a high level. You know, this is where I should maybe be using him for some ideas. Yeah, see, if, uh, for anyone who doesn't know Connor, he is one of the most hardest working people I've ever met in football. He used to stay behind constantly. They nickname, him, they nickname him the horse, don't they? <laughs> they he's, I think he's nicknamed himself that. To be honest, that. I do not know where it came from. He's a horse tattooing all his arm. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, he used to stay behind and work constantly on his kicking. And you can see how good it is. Mm-hmm. And I used to always be like, me. Actually, if he can stay behind and practice... Why can't I? And we actually used to do a wee bit of games where he would stay 50 yards away from each other and try and ping it for each other's legs. Just just wee fun games to get the, a bit of sharpness up on it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, he's an absolutely superb goalkeeper, isn't he, Connor? I mean, obviously, his longevity in the Irish League. And you sort of have aspired to that as well because, you know, you've played, you know, a good nine years now, a top t- couple of teams. Yeah, no, you don't even think about it. Uh, just one am. It felt like the other day. It was only. Well, put things in perspective. You're a year younger than me, and I'm thirty next year. <laughs> it's um, it's flipping crazy. Uh, I don't even feel like I've I've played that many years. Um, when you're you're playing, you're just playing. You don't even think about it. And then the years go by, the games go by, and uh, you just look back and be like, me. That's went by so so fast that maybe I've caught on something different or whatever, but it is what it is. We mentioned Connor there, and obviously a terrific goalkeeper, but throughout that team, we, Joe Gormley, obviously, Liam Boyce, are they the two best strikers you've probably played with? I mean, Davy McDade's quite good as well, though let's not forget Davy, sorry, Davy. Uh, Mc, McDade's up there as well. Um, his hold-up play, I don't think there's anyone better in the Irish League at the minute than him yeah. holding up all of He's very good. A very, very intelligent I mean, player. Three great, I mean, three great strikers there I mentioned. Well, three two, different, two and a half, because um, I did mention Davey. <laughs> Sorry, Davey. Yeah, again. three different strikers, I would say, because Joe, um, probably not as good technically as him too, but the best finisher I've ever seen. The hmm. uh, Irish League race for me. Liam Boyce just, he just has that where he can just change a game in an instant. And Dave McDade has that hold-up play, bringing people in the into the game, uh, link up as assist. Uh, three different different players and three unbelievable talents. Because that Cliftonville team back in the early 2010s, you know, taking a fight to Linfield season upon season, you know, that was a really, really strong group of players, aided by the, the brilliant Tommy Breslin, wasn't he? A terrific manager. Tommy was... It was brilliant. He was actually so good to me. Um, he, he never put any pressure on you. Uh, I remember CC was actually telling me the other day a story about him. He used to say to him, uh, are you nervous before games? And he used to say, no. Why would I be nervous, Connor? It's only a game of football. 
and that's the kind of attitude he had to the, with the players as well and see getting into a big game you never felt any pressure so that maybe helped us go out and do what we've done on the pitch that's fascinating because I've been watching the class of 92 uh, documentary and you're seeing some of the, the, the managers expressions to some of the players when they lose a game or when they win a game and it's the differing levels of frustration but enjoyment as well when it does work off but I think the great managers are the ones that pick a team up when they've maybe dropped points at a game and I get the impression that Breslin was one of those he is um, maybe not the best Tactical manager, but man management, he was brilliant. He would run through a brick wall for that man. And he would even drop you. He dropped me once and uh, <laughs> he said to me, I'm going to play Jordan Mullen because I think he's a bit better on the ball. And I actually went, oh, I agree with him because he didn't, he didn't disagree with Tommy Present. So I was just like, yeah, all right. And I just sat in the bench, the bench like, what's going on here? Like, I just been dropped for none and he just told me. Yeah. What, was, what, was, what was Tommy's training methods like, Thomas? Was he was he quite kind of <laughs> full on or was it quite, you know, you, you mentioned he wasn't maybe the best tactically. Was he, Did he sort of replace that by just being very physical and just giving it everything on, on the pitch? Yeah, it was uh, maybe fun. It was like uh, kids games, maybe. Uh, we done like... Um, Simon says, but he called it O'Grady says. That was like a, a warm up and stuff. And then you done like um, the clock game, yeah. where he'd be like twelve o'clock, three o'clock, and you'd have to run to that station. And we were all like, all grown men laughing their head off <laughs> doing this game. I think it just gives me a bit of fun again, the football, and yeah. it's not too serious all the time. Yeah, no, it, it's important, I think, to have a manager that, that gets the best out of his players. And if that means trying maybe unorthodox methods, then that's how you do it. Yeah, everyone, everyone's different. Um, I think it was like with Mento where it was a, a good cup, bad cup situation where Mento would just chew the head of you if he's done something wrong and Brezzi put his arm around you. It's usually the opposite way where an assistant puts his arm around you. <laughs> but... Uh, it worked out so I mean Tommy obviously was the, the king of the time of Cliftonville but the rest of his backroom staff as well must have been very important as well in and around the team yeah it, it really reminds me of Lauren it's just a, a family run club everyone's in it all the volunteers everyone's in it together you have like the the, the kit woman Amelda she used to go down and open up the gates and sit and watch training uh, you have uh, flipping Benny was passed away, uh, physio. He was our Brian Campbell, the kit man. You have skin, you had everyone just from the local area and stuff, and everyone was in it together. It was it was just a big family. It I'm was like just us I, against everyone. I'm glad you mentioned Jared Little, aka Skin, because I've had Jared on the show, and he's just quite a character, isn't he? Quite a laugh, and just an absolutely fantastic fella. Yeah, yeah, no, Skin's a good man. Uh, it was good to me as well, always put his arm around me and, and looked out to me. And I'll have to say this because he's been posting it everywhere. <laughs> his bar's looking good. I know, I <laughs> this know. Bar is Jared, looking good. if you're listening, mine's a Magnus when I come over to Belfast. So just, just, <laughs> I hope you're listening to that. Um, so let's talk about that midfield that Cliftonville had back in the day as well, Thomas, because you people like Ryan Catney, people like Barry Johnston, physical guys who wore their hearts in their sleeve and gave absolutely everything. And then you have the technically gifted assist players like Chris Curran and people like that, McMullen. That's a brilliant combination, isn't it? And obviously yourself on the on the wings, and I think, was Levi Ives playing at the time? You know, I don't know, Levi no. wasn't there, it was uh, Ronan Skinnell. Ronan Skinnell, sorry, beg your pardon. Sorry, but, that, but even so, a team that had so many options in terms of not just creating chances, but also digging in when you had to defend too. Yeah, like everyone, everyone who was our team loved the club, and I think it worked out well. The tactics, uh, the tactics was just four four two, two workhorses in the middle, two very talented boys on the way there, and then two match winners up front. Yeah. and uh, the back line just chipped in. Then again, uh, we played some good football. We played in tight situations, but which helped us. And when you keep the ball in tight situations, it, it helps you because. You, you put other teams under pressure, yeah. uh, not getting the ball back, and then they start giving the ball away quicker. And just, it helps all around. I get the impression that Barry Johnston and Ryan Catney, especially, two hard guys, you don't want to end up on the wrong side of that fight. No, you don't. Uh, <laughs> I 
me tell you, you don't mess with them too. There's a time I uh, only up the train and I made Ryan Ketney and like kind of giggled when I passed him. He turned around and just grabbed me and went, do that again. And I went, oh, okay. <laughs> I, bet you did, I bet you tried to and it didn't work. <laughs> no, I wasn't going near him again. I went to the other side of the pitch. <laughs> Oh, brilliant! I, 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 I think these guys, you know, they're they're very passionate guys in the middle of the pitch, and we've seen that in so many teams. Even now in the Irish League, you need these hard guys to do the dirty work, to do the the, 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 the tricky stuff in the middle of the pitch. And the guy that really reminds me of that is one of your current players, Fuad Suley, in the midfield for Larn. Yeah, you, you need you always need a workhorse. Every team needs someone who's going to do the dirty work to get the ball back. Well, everyone needs to do it. But there's always that one guy who will do it a bit more now, and as in Ford is bringing that up. He's been super. You can see it. He's, he's like a wee machine running about that pitch, winning everything, and just playing it off really, really simple. Yeah. And it just keeps us ticking. Yeah, absolutely. He's pressure on the other team. Uh, absolutely. When when you're at a side like Cliftonville, they were battling for the league title, and in those early years, you were there. How important was the solitude faithful there to grab grab your team by the scruff of the neck and make sure that you go over the line in key games at home? There's no there is no better feeling than than winning a home game at solitude when the team's absolutely when the fans are absolutely roaring you on. Uh, I understand they give out some abuse uh, to the opposition, but the, sometimes they make monarchy, But see when they're on your side. There is nothing better, and it does it does spur you on like in them big games. Is there a key game in your mind at Solitude when you were going for the title that you felt like the crowd were almost driving you to get that maybe that last five minutes to get a three points when maybe it might have just been one had it not been for that? Um, or what? Or what have been a couple? Because uh, you placed the teams around you so many times, not like any other league. Um, so I would say the games against the Crews and Linfield at the time were massive. Uh, uh, they all, they're still are now for us, mm-hmm. even Lauren. If you win them games, you're you're putting the good points between you and them. So I think them games where the fans get behind you and it was always massive occasions. Yeah, I mean, obviously the the, the one game that springs to my mind when you guys were were going for the, one of the titles was that match against Linfield at Solitude. Um, you know, when you come back to to win the game three two, and um, you know that was a Tremendous afternoon for the red half of, of Belfast, not a great one for the blue half. No, it was brilliant. It was like it was written for George McMullen to step up and hit that penalty. Uh, a man who's been there so long and done so much for the club, it was just amazing for him to, to get that moment and to fulfill his dream of winning the, the league with Limbo. Describe your emotions that day because there's so much pressure on the team to get over the line and, and, and win that title. But when obviously you do do it, it must be, well, party scenes. No, I was just, I was so young back then, I, I, you, you don't even think about it really. Uh, I can sure other boys, if it was now, you could feel the, you'd be able to feel the pressure and stuff. I think other people on the team maybe felt it, but I came from the youth team who won the leagues, reserves won the leagues, just constantly winning. Mm-hmm. And then you go up and we start winning again. I was just like, it's what must be the norm. Yeah, yeah. But, when you went, you seen you seen the happiness and all the people's faces. The volunteers around the place that have worked so hard. Like that team there was relegated to stay in that league. Yeah. The to come back over the years and to win that league in the way that it was unbelievable. And we said about this earlier about key players and teams, the spine of a team and the togetherness of the squad. That is the key ingredients, along with a manager who's driven and determined to rinse every last drop out of use individually but also collectively all those ingredients coupled with a, a passionate solitude faithful it seemed to just be the perfect storm yeah it would be an absolute nightmare the play in that situation for an opposing team hmm. people breathing down your neck every two seconds run over the top of you they get that ball back uh, and you have people almost ready to touch you on the sideline hmm. screaming at you if you're in opposition so it would be very hard to come there and try and get something from solitude uh, there's a few places in the Irish league like that now mm-hmm. uh, so it's always even more enjoyable than the opposition team we, if met, you're in it. 
to get the win there. We mentioned earlier on, and you mentioned it very vividly, about really relishing that batches against Linfield and Crusaders. But for me, I always regard... I mean, Linfield and Glentorn is the big two derby, of course it is, but Cliftonville-Linfield matches, when I've watched them on YouTube, seem to be blood and thunder every single match I've watched. Yeah. Uh, I don't know what it is. Um, it's just it's just the way it goes. Uh, it's just a, a rivalry here, and uh, both teams just want to give it their all um, and win for everyone. It's just like the North Belfast Derby for me. Mm. That is the best derby in uh, the Irish League. You see, there's not a game of a North Belfast Derby that's born. Yeah. It's just mayhem from the first couple of minutes to the end. So. That's what the Irish League's all about. Yeah. Fast-paced and entertainment. Yeah, absolutely. And, and Crusaders are a really interesting club to see how they've developed as well. And when you have four strong Belfast sides every season, you know, I always think that there's almost like this mini-league table in your mind where you just want to finish top of that pile. And if you're ahead of that pile, realistically, you're going to be winning the title. Would that be right? Well, if you have Linfield and Glenthorne, they're the two big two, as you say. If you're in that mini-league and you somehow go on top of it, you have a really, really good chance to win that league. Unless another team's had an unbelievable season, but most of the time, you win that, you're coming out on top. Yeah, absolutely. Let's move on and talk a little bit about Europe, because obviously when Cliftonville win the league, they, they go into obviously the European battles, and then you get drawn against Celtic. I mean, what a tremendous match-up that is. Uh, unbelievable. Uh, something I'll always look back on, cherish. Uh, it's always my dream to play at Parkhead and to get to do it in the European game and to pull out a full-strength team in front of a, a good lot of thousand people. It was... It was brilliant, and I think Samaras gave me his paper at the end of the game and stuff. Really? So it was just stuff like that. It was it was brilliant to have, I especially at such a young age. Obviously, being in Scotland, you know, I was kind of watching it, you know, through the eyes of following the side that's from Scotland, obviously seeing them do well. Yep. But watching the game, it almost felt like almost like a family atmosphere because obviously mostly Cliftonville fans are also mostly Celtic fans. So when I was watching the game, it was almost like this big celebration that was happening watching it. And I was like, wow, this is something I've never kind of hardly hardly ever seen before. But when I watched the game, I thought, you guys really acquitted yourselves very well, not just in the home game, but at Celtic party. No, we went out there and you don't want to embarrass yourself yet you want to put on a, a strong performance and don't let them harm me and make it hard, difficult for them. And as you say, a lot of the people I know are going to cross because they support Celtic. When are you going to see Celtic play Klimlo again? And they probably had a, a few beers, had a sing song and went to the game and watched the two clubs they love. So what a great night for everyone involved. Yeah, absolutely. And you said about Samaras and getting his shirt. Was that just for the first leg or what about the, what about the second leg? No, I was, a, I was at Celtic Park... Um, I was marking them and had done pretty well against them and I ended up getting injured with 10 minutes to go and I got took off and I was sitting there gutted on the bench because I was like, man, I can only be able to get his top. And <laughs> fair play to him, they came over to me at the end, took off his top and gave it to me and something that cherries because I think he went on the score in the last 16 of a World Cup that year or the year after, so yeah. even better. Yeah, absolutely. And that Celtic team back in the day, you know, so many winners, didn't they? Including Scott Brown, who's, who's still playing, of course. Yeah, unbelievable. Uh, you just seen her. They were just a class above. Um, the one that impressed me most was uh, Lustig. He just looked like he was walking about. Of course, the a fellow, fellow fullback as well. Of course. Yeah, oh. he was. He was unbelievable. He just. He really. He really, really impressed me. Uh, I think Tom Rudgie came on. That might have been one of the first few games he played. Yeah, so oh, he was a scourge of my team, Aberdeen. So we don't like to talk about that. <laughs> he, <laughs> was yeah, another, he was another great class player. player to come on. So fantastic. Uh, it was brilliant all round. Do you look at players like Lustig and maybe the, the two games you had against Celtic and think, well, this is where he's got to in his game. I could maybe use what he's done to maybe improve my own game. Yeah, yeah. Obviously, you, you watch. Uh, games on TV and you, you see certain players I obviously watch the fullbacks a bit closer because that's where I normally play they're out boys on the wing and watch what they do and try and like do anything they do but works out well into my game try and, try and do it see where they are um, it could be positionally it could be 
they're on the front foot, what way to take the touches, or it could be whatever. But yeah, you obviously have to watch better players to get yourself better. Yeah, absolutely. You must have some incredible stories from nights out with your Cliftonville teammates back in the day, or training <laughs> sessions that maybe have gone quite wrong or whatever. You must have one to share with us. Ah, uh, there's uh, a few. Probably too rude to even say. Um, <laughs> we could put an explicit rate, don't worry about it. Um, <laughs> I think the one that, that I laugh about the most, um, we're all, uh, all the boys are away and they're all getting tattoos because Clinville's song was 99 red balloons, so they're all getting the wee tattoos of the balloons and all on their leg and the best one, it's like 30 euro and Eamon's attack, all the boys are saying he's rich because he owns his own business and stuff. He comes back with one that looks like I don't know, a flump or something, I don't know, and all the boys were, all the boys were slagging him saying, Eamon, you've seen that for... 10 quid cheaper down the street and all and stuff like that so that was pretty good there's a few uh, few crazy ones in, in Manchester um, Kevin Bonner he, he got so drunk uh, he fell asleep in the room obviously we all ran to the room boys are filling up uh, kettles and stuff I think it was McDade actually <laughs> fills up a kettle and one of the boys ran into the room and shout your man's coming so all the boys panic McDade slips falls kettle right up Keeping Banner's head. The, the guy still didn't wake up. So the, the guys in their room, they all flip matters and we're hiding behind curtains and everything, trying to hold it off. And he gets woke up getting shredded. <laughs> so that was pretty good to be fair. Oh, brilliant. That's absolutely fantastic. Terrific. Um, in terms of obviously the, the spell you had at Cliftonville, was there a part of you that thought maybe I'd fancy a different challenge away from Northern Ireland? Maybe a Bit of time in England, bit of time in Scotland, maybe elsewhere. Yeah, yeah. If it ever, if it ever came about, that's uh, always wanted. I always want to, to test myself against the best players. But uh, I was playing really well, and I end up breaking my foot, my foot, my my collarbone. I end up getting a, a few bad injuries, kind of set me back a bit. So mm. it is what it is. Sometimes there's not meant to be, but I always want to give myself a go. Yeah, absolutely. When you have injuries like a broken collarbone, for example, how does that? affect you mentally Thomas does it take a little bit longer to get back into it personally or does it also kind of drive you on to say look I'm really determined to kind of right some wrongs that maybe have happened in previous games uh, um, for me personally it, it, it affected me a lot because I'm used to, to going on out and training all the time and you, you couldn't do anything I literally just had to jog or sit in the bike because you're obviously pushing off with your shoulder and stuff and is when I came back it was in the back of my head is this is my arm strong enough for what here it was like out of my foot uh, I came back from a broken foot I had about a week and skinned it all put me into the starting 11 in a European game mm-hmm. and I didn't expect that I had one week of pre-season and I think I, I played every minute of uh, every game that season mm-hmm. just getting into it and there was times you're playing you're like is my foot is it right here? Could this break again? It was always in the back of your head. So I can see why it does affect people when they get a, a very serious injury. You don't want to be in that situation again where you have to try and come back. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. It must be very frustrating. I know a range of people I've had on the show that have had serious injuries and, you know, the recovery of them can be very variable. And I think, you know, trying to have a good support network around you definitely helps. Uh, yeah, you need you need people to look after you and they keep talking, they keep you in positive mood. But I think the hardest thing is when you're watching games and you know you can do nothing. Yeah. You're literally helpless. You're and just uh, the boys are on a, a bad run or something, and they're taking flag, and you know how hard we're working, and you can't do anything to help them out. You just have to sit there and grind it out. Yeah. So absolutely. it is very frustrating. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, your time at Cliftonville, I mean, where would you rank it in terms of, you know, your own journey? Because obviously two league titles and, you know, a range of success and obviously the European matches, as we mentioned, so there's obviously other ones as well. I mean, you must take away some great memories from that club and obviously, we'll come on to talk about Lauren in a second, but the battles you you still have against them, there must be some great moments. Uh, Unbelievable. I'll always look back fondly and then times it was the most successful time in the club's history uh, to be part of such a such an occasion and be part of such a great team it was amazing and I, I think it's helped me a lot I was a young lad a uh, young skinny lad just coming through and all them older boys looked after me and I've always looked up to 
summer and I used to go watch George McMullen and stuff and always looked up to him then you're playing you're playing beside him yeah he ends up being your captain so it's it's amazing and as you said I'll always love the club uh, it was pretty hard for me to leave them but uh, sometimes that's what happens in football you just have to move on yeah absolutely and let's talk about the next stage of your journey which you're currently at at the moment is at Larne how did Kenny Bruce and people at Larne sell this project to you because it still to me seems like a project that is currently in motion and, and currently doing alright uh, it was just one of them ones for me um, Barry Gray was the manager at uh, Clinville at the time and I was in and out of the team. I, I, I'm more of an attacking fullback, getting on the ball, dropping in, doing stuff that he, he maybe didn't want. He wanted maybe the old school fullback just to stand there, chip a ball up a lane, stay in shape, that sort of stuff. And uh, I was kind of in the team, so it came out January, you're allowed to go talk to teams. And I talked to a few teams, and my old manager, Tiernan and Seamus, rang me. Uh, I talked to them, and I was thinking, nah, I don't know, because it's championship I don't want to go back I don't want to go down at that level but then I meet, I meet Kenny he tells me what's happening then Marty Dunley you have Chris Ramsey and all there they're telling me how good it is and I met them right after the Irish Cup final we get beat um, this was the goal game wasn't it yeah that was the shot um, because I knew my team at Climbo was at its end I just couldn't I didn't know where I was going to go. Uh, I couldn't stay with Clemble. Just I was going to. I would have been the end of the year. My mm. confidence was low. Uh, everything. Uh, and then Kenny messaged me. We meet up again, and I just said to, to take a chance. And it's probably one of the best decisions I've ever made. What, to be did, honest. what, what did he say to you to convince you to to come to Larn? Because when I follow him on social media, he seems a really positive progressive guy who just wants to give everything not just to Fulham but he's obviously his own business as well and since he's come into the Irish League a lot of people might not agree with what I'm saying here but it definitely has put not just Larn on the map but not Irish football on the map a bit more yeah yeah no people might uh, give him abuse for what he does he, he speaks his man and he wants the best for the Irish League and the, for the players and he wants it to be as professional as he can and I can see why he's done well in business mm. because it's the way he speaks to you. Yeah. He, he's such a charismatic man and he just said to me, if you come here, uh, this will mean so much to the people of Lorne and it'll mean so much for you. If you win something here, they will treat you like heroes and you get them back to where they belong. And he, he actually threw it down. Do I want the challenge? Do I want the challenge? The, to try and get them back there mm -hmm. and I talk it yeah absolutely and and you also mentioned obviously that Tiernan Lynch who's still the manager at Larnham doing a fantastic job I may add obviously now you're manager again I mean what is Tiernan like to work with because obviously we mentioned obviously about Tommy Breslin and the methods he used Jared Little and the methods he used what is Tiernan like as a manager he seems to be a guy in my opinion who you know has a very novel way of adopting the game his own stuff um he has his own ideas, him and his brother. Um, you have Tim as well, Gary Havens are as well now on the, mm -hmm. on the staff. So Gary's a great He guy. has his own ideas of how he wants to play, but he does give you a lot of freedom. Mm -hmm. um, there's times he just says, if I somehow end up in left wing, because it's, it's happened a few times, mm -hmm. uh, just make sure someone's covering my position yeah. in the defensive area and you can do whatever you want you have so much freedom to go and play and go and spread yourself and it, it's brilliant to play in the way we play is just so enjoyable and you mentioned about Tim McCann as well this is a guy who's had a, a remarkable own Irish League career when you're embraced with a lot of people in the Irish League who've, who've had mixed amounts of success but have also as a group worked so well off the pitch that must work really well Nah, Tim, Tim's brilliant. He, he tries to give you advice, uh, especially when he's drunk. He'll say he's better me and all this stuff. Uh, and he likes to he likes to try and join in training <laughs> and again. And uh, he always ends up taking my spot in training, just standing out in the wing, uh, just standing calling the balls. He's on chipping the ball to the back post and always saying to me, "That's how you do it." But, I was what I was watching some old footage of him the other day. Does he still have that same pace that he had? <laughs> oh, he does not. <laughs> that's gone. 
thing he doesn't pull the only thing he pulls his hamstrings now. <laughs> he doesn't move <laughs> <laughs> Fantastic. And of course, Lauren have just um, got involved with uh, Gareth McCauley, haven't they? Uh, he was. He was uh, in taking the, some of the youth, youth teams, and uh, I think he was uh, just shadowing Tiernan and Gary Heron to see the setup and stuff for a while. Mm. He joined in a, in a few sides. It was good. Yeah, yeah. I and mean, there's a lot of great social media uh, aspects that Lauren have done so well, not just during this coronavirus, but certainly since they've come back into the Premiership. I mean, I've really enjoyed seeing some of the, the, the videos and the and the photos that have come out. Because Mo Farah was involved at one point, wasn't he? Yeah, Mo Farah was, uh, was at the ground, and it was, it was good fun. They asked him a few questions, and he was such a nice guy. He got on along with a banter, and we all just had a, a wee bit of a laugh after his morphing. So it was really nice of him to come and show us his insight and the... Uh, his winning mentality well that's what I was going to say does his mentality of being that that Olympic champion what he did in London and obviously again in Rio does that inspire you guys as well long term for major success at Lauren I, I think it does it's, it's it's nice to hear people's stories and how they made it uh, he actually told the story of how he went to his first Olympics and he was just sitting eating McDonald's and stuff like that because it was, it was just there and he kind of he let himself down and he said after the next one, he's going to come back and do everything he can. He's not going to let something pass him by again. That was that was really good to hear that from him. Yeah. He, he learned from his mistakes. Yeah, and uh, when I think of Farah, that 2012 Olympics, you know, the, the two goals, I remember the first one, the, the 10,000 mirrors. I remember uh, Cram, Steve Cram on commentary, and he, when he went, oh yes, oh yes, I, I cried. And I, I'm, a, I'm a very kind of humble guy. I don't show a lot of emotions. But I yeah. cried that day. The only time I've Otherwise, I've cried watching non-football-related sport. It's when Andy Murray won uh, Wimbledon um, in 2013. Yeah. And, then, you know, you see moments like that, and you just think, if they can do it, so can we, or so can I. Yeah, so can you. It's, it's, it's inspiring to see someone do such a thing, uh, especially from Great Britain and stuff, and uh, the pressure them both athletes had on them to, to produce on that stage. Uh, it's good to see, and they see the relief and the joy in their face when they do it. It's, it's brilliant. One person we haven't talked about off the pitch about Lauren in our chat is the work of Gareth Clements, who I've had on the show, done a fantastic amount of work off the pitch for Lauren. What's he been like at the club? Yeah, as I said, like um, it's a huge family club. There is so many people behind the scenes that do so much for everyone. Um, you have Nal, you have Rosie the cook, you have uh, Mick, the, he's physio. He's he's about a hundred jobs. You have you have Gary. He does the the ground. You have everyone who's all in it together, and yeah. it meant so much to win that shield. Uh, for them. Sure. I, mm-hmm. for them and it was a weird situation because there was no fans or anything but mm. just to see the joy in all their faces and they're running up hugging you and all after, the, after it was brilliant to see and Kenny was right it will mean a lot for if you win something with Lauren Do you guys feel until obviously you've won the County Antrim Shield recently was there a, a bit of added pressure from the media that you know obviously they were sort of anticipating that Lauren were, were making inroads but they had to win something did you guys feed off that pressure or did you sort of just try and kind of blank it out and just kind of concentrate on your own games See, uh, for me uh, it's personally no um, I don't really read anything like that um, you're always going to have people saying stuff just to, just to get people to read it because uh, Kenny Bruce is doing the old Claudio Ranieri on, on social media these days <laughs> we're, we're just looking that, at uh, top 6 we're just looking at I always let uh, Kenny stick the uh, baiting people in with uh, his wee remarks on Twitter and uh, we'll just get on with it uh, Absolutely. it was just going to end actually Tiernan said if you win you win um, you are here so any hands in a final finals are never nice yep. to watch uh, but he got the job done and that's all people remember so yeah. it was good and of course let's bring on to the County Andrew Shield because the one man we haven't spoken about on this podcast yet is Jeff Hughes and he slots away the winning penalty in the shootout what a great guy as well because I've seen him on, on, on telly and obviously playing he's he's a really kind of no nonsense player he, he sees a sensible pass but he also gets forward as well he sort of reminds me in a little way to Frank Lampard in his sort of kind of classic years at Chelsea He's such a good player, so technically good. Uh, he just makes everything tick for the team when he's playing. Um, you can see he's played uh, at a higher level in England because it just 
his ability on the ball and his experience. He, he lends experience to a lot of players, and he, he's very, very good with the younger boys. And uh, yeah, as I said with George McMullen, it seemed like it was written for Jeff to hit that penalty. Yeah, and yeah. he did. Sat at home and he's won it. The local boy wins it. Yeah, absolutely, and 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 again, a, a whole team performance that night to win it. Not a classic game, but obviously winning it via penalty shootout. I mean, I've seen my own team Aberdeen win a cup final in a penalty shootout. They're never nice to watch, but if you win it, it's great. If you don't, it's not so nice. Yeah, it's a it's a, it's a lottery at the end of the day. Um, I thought we we dominated that game. Uh, we just couldn't break them down. So it would have been hard on us not to win it, but to get it over the lane. Uh, no one remembers a final. Only him remembers is who's won it. Yeah, absolutely. And and what I really get from that is a real positive kind of continuation moving forward for Larn because surely that will only increase the confidence. But one question I wanted to ask about the County Antrim Shield: How heavy is it to lift? It looks massive. Ah, uh, you need to train for about a month. Uh, <laughs> to be very lifted. It is that I had to do a, a school presentation, but once. Uh, I walked about five different schools. See, walking up Ben's doors, about him. Wait, it was like you came out like Arnold Schwarzenegger. <laughs> it was it must. It's the happiest. It must be the happiest trophy in the world. Well, they were they were because I was trying to work this out the other day, and I've not actually seen how heavy it is. But the Davis Cup is quite heavy in tennis. Uh, well, I know it's yeah. one one of the heaviest trophies off because I know that the whole bit when Britain won it, when when Murray was winning it, he had to carry it, and and you know, there was him and Dan Evans, I think, was there, and Kyle Edmund was there, and obviously the doubles was there, and I think the six of them had to had to lift it at one stage. So obviously, I don't know how heavy that is, but when you're saying that the the county Andrew Shield's quite heavy, well, there you go. It is. It is. Uh, I don't know if it'll be a heavy as six men lifting it, but. Uh yeah, it was pretty heavy. Yeah, and, and no uh, feat for, for, for Lauren winning it, because obviously you guys beat Crusaders, Linfield, and Glen Torn to win it. That's not a bad run. Yeah, uh, yeah, you could say it was the, the hardest uh, way to win it, but sure, it's one of them ones. You, you beat three of the, the four the four, three of the four Belfast clubs, so as you say, if you win them games, we said earlier, you always seem to get something you come out on top yeah absolutely now I've only personally followed the Irish League for five years Thomas but when I've watched the league on the Friday night games or any time Larn are at home obviously Covid has kind of kind of lost a little bit of the fans in that but when I watch the games I get the impression that the atmosphere at Inver is something else it's, it's, it's brilliant uh, as I said it's a whole community thing Lawrence is not a massive place and people always seem to run it down but you see they get really behind the team and when you're doing well they'll get behind you a lot and it spurs you on and you've seen what it means to them when you win them big games yeah absolutely and of course you've, you've scored in one of the big games already against Crusaders and I uh, watched that game goal machine goal machine it was a great finish <laughs> as well a really good goal uh yeah, no, it was good to get on the score sheet. It's usually me uh, trying to set up other boys, so it was good for me to get in there. Yeah, for yeah. Once, so. And and yeah. La- and Lauren this season, especially at Inver Park, have have looked fairly good. And you know, you've won games in different ways. I mean, I was looking up the stats earlier today, and Marshall Gillespie will be delighted with this. I did some research on this. Sixty-six <laughs> percent of Lauren's goals have come in the last quarter of games this season so far. Well, that's not bad going, is it? Yeah, I would say it, it kind of hinders us that um, teams just come and set up the to, to not be played around. So it, it's pretty hard when you're mm-hmm. watching your piling. That's easy to break that down. But when a team's compact and they're set up well, it's very hard to break down. And I think we just keep getting at them and at them and at them. And the Feeney, Feeney get free. To have beaten Crusaders, Linfield, and uh, you know Glenavon, um, a, a range of other teams, Cliftonville at, at home so far this season. Teams don't fancy coming to Inver Park and playing you guys at the moment, do they? There's always all this aspiration that we're gonna sit, we're gonna make it tough to beat for you guys, and you're gonna have to play well to come away from our ground with something. That's it. Um, it's one a.m. You have to, we have to come up with something to try and break them down. They're coming here to maybe sit in, get a draw, catch us on the break. I don't know, um, but it's up to us to, to find the answers and how to break them down. So. It's an interesting league. It's never usually been like that. You never usually seen a team that keeps the ball the way we do. Yeah. And I, f- I feel like a, a lot more teams are trying to play more football now, which is great for the league. One thing I wanted to ask is obviously Lauren play on this, I think it's 4G or 3G pitch, and obviously there's a range of other teams in the league that play on the traditional grass surface. Are you a person that adapts 
fine to different services because I know there are a range of players and I, I, I used one guy in Scotland as an example Stephen McLean who was at St Johnston and the Hearts who, who couldn't participate on artificial services because it affected his knees did that does that affect you did you know it affects maybe other players in the uh, there's a few boys in order effects not in our team, but I think because I was brought up playing on the Climble one, mm -hmm. uh, you just become used to it. I don't yeah. know, but uh, it doesn't affect me whatsoever. Mm -hmm. um, seem, it seems to be better on, on the winter months because you're going to some grounds and they're not even really taken care of. They're they're a shambles to be honest, and it's it's bad for a league because you can't play no football. You're just seeing the ball yeah. in the yard all the time. Who wants to watch that? Yeah, absolutely. And and one of the great things about watching the league, and you mentioned this earlier on, is that every away game is tough. You have to go there and, and really dig in to get a result. And already you guys this season have, have come up against Warren Point, who of course have beaten Linfield at home. And you guys got a draw against the Merle in the season. It, it proves that anybody on their day can give anybody a game in this league. Yeah, you have to roll up your sleeves and dig in. Then uh, I think sometimes you have to change your game plan for the away games because you're always not going to get your way. As you say, it's uh, sometimes you're going these wee pitches and they've kind of left it bad on purpose. They might have left the grass long. Well, who knows, whatever. But uh, you, have to, you have to find a way to win. It's up to us to find a way to win and keep going. And one of the great things I'm sure for yourself as well is that you're playing in this Larn team with some of your teammates, of course, were at Cliftonville as well. So that transition must have been much easier than obviously breaking in first time around at Cliftonville. No, yeah, it was it was good because I'm I'm very close to Marty. Everyone knows it. Um, it was good to to have him there, someone to to talk to. You're not getting in like a new guy. Someone's like he's coming in to take my spot, whatever. Uh, it doesn't seem to be like that, Lauren. It's a it's a massive family. Everyone gets on with everyone. There's there's not one person you'd be like he's a bit of a uh, in the chain room. But no, everyone gets along with each other. Everyone has the crack, and it is brilliant. Everyone gets behind each other, no matter what's happening. And you still got Connor Devlin screaming at you from from his goal. <laughs> He's some banter on Twitter. I mean, I, I mean, I follow him on Twitter and on Instagram as well. He, he's he's absolutely something else. No, he is. He's good crack. He's dead winning. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, he's, no. he's, he's someone else as well. The fact that he played for for Manchester United as well is, is some story. In terms of away games in the Irish League, Thomas, is there a ground that you feel is harder to win at than any others? I would say maybe um, Crusaders, just because the way they play, they're a very physical team, um, a bit more direct than others, and uh, they put it up to uh, And I think the wee tight pitch and the surface, the bounce of the ball, everything's suited for them, and it's very hard to go over and get a win. That's right, because I remember the, the, the Friday night game early in the season where you guys just, uh, well, it was, it was Cliftonville ended up on a, the, the end of a 1 0 defeat, wasn't it? Was that a late goal from, from yeah. Jordan Owens? Yeah, it, it, he's, he's another great Irish League player. Um, it's just so hard to go over to have. He goes up, he's flitting brilliant in the air, and you have runners everywhere. And they just go all out against you. It's so hard to play against. But if you get a win there, it is very, very enjoyable. Yeah, absolutely. And, and, and there's not many teams, as you mentioned, go to, to Crusaders and, and win. And I think Lauren earlier last season got, got, a, got a creditable draw there, didn't they? It was, was 2 2. Was yeah, there's. We actually felt like we should have won that game. Uh, I feel like we, I was one missed. But I was just like the learning curve from last season. Most of the, the team didn't know the, the players you're coming up against, the, the sort of conditions you're playing. But I feel like now, boys are used to the league and maybe showing a bit more what they can do. We mentioned earlier about the, the stuff at Inver Park and this sort of journey, this progression that the club is doing. The fans that are at Larne's Games really get behind the team, don't they? And what I see is obviously the new stand that's being built there. There really seems a real positivity about the club. Yeah, yeah. Um, they said they're, they're not used to success. Um, but now the, they're getting the enjoyment of it. Uh, it was last year with big Glen Torn and Linfield within the space of five days right. and it must have been something else for him as the witness that uh, they're not used to they're not used to beating one of the, the Belfast teams that beat two and quick session was brilliant for them and they're really good they, they really get behind you and cheer you on and it's brilliant and of course just before the, the sort of Christmas shutdown you guys had a tremendous win against uh, Linfield on that Friday night uh, game that was on the BBC and uh, a really good comeback from a goal down 
yeah, yeah, that's it. Um, never give up. Never give up. Uh, Tim talks about the Fergie time. Uh, you go right to the 91st, 92nd, 93rd minute, then yeah, if you put teams under pressure enough and you keep the ball and you keep attacking, keep working, they will eventually break. And uh, it shows, uh, I feel like we dominated that second half and we showed really what we can do. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to give Connor Devlin a bit of a, a big up here because his pass for Davy McDade for the second goal, which you mentioned Martin Donnelly scored, I mean, that is one of the best passes from a goalkeeper I've seen this season. As I said, has he been rolling out his Ederson or Allison lookalike from teams in yeah. the English League? As I said, when he's at Clinton, no one really seen that he used to stay behind and practice constantly, and there you go. It was a wonderful pass. Absolutely wonderful pass. If you haven't seen it, go and watch the highlights because it's, in my opinion, one of the best passes from a goalkeeper out to a player I've seen this season. Especially because it's from a corner Linfield had, which he he claims authoritatively as well. Yeah, no, he he, he is very good at that. I'd say he's better than most people with the the ball at their feet. The outfield players for a keeper, he's so, so good. And you have so much uh, trust in him when you give a back down backer. Yeah, absolutely. In terms of competitors in the Irish League, Tomas, who's the hardest one you've come up against? Player ways, like yeah, yeah. be marking. Um, uh, you obviously had the likes of Joel Cooper was tough, Paul Heaney's tough. Um, but there was a guy, uh, Stephen Carson, used to play for Cole Ryan mm-hmm. in Glenthorne. Um, he was very, very sharp. I was a young lad and I up against him and he can go either way and uh, he was very good his Cruyff term was unbelievable how do you keep he these guys quiet how do you keep these guys quiet do you just have to sort of show them on their weaker foot do you have to tell them to, to not cut inside etc how do you make life very difficult for them uh, it, it, uh, it just depends uh, you obviously have to catch them on an off day if someone's on a good day they could really show you up um so you, your teammates sort of help you out as well if, you, if your communication's good to the boys in front don't not really get the ball as much um, I feel like you just have to put pressure on them constantly uh, not let someone turn and mm-hmm. get run to you because yeah. anyone can skip past anyone at that stage yeah. I'm trying to think who'd be on the same side of the pitch as you, as you. would it be Marty or would it be it'd really be Marty Dunley oh, would be it'd Marty. be Marty Dunley but half the time it's, it could be McDade it could be anyone as I said interchange it depends where we are on the pitch Mm-hmm, absolutely and and one player we haven't talked about and I want to kind of finish up with this and a guy I've really got admiration for Shawnee McMurray you know he's come back from a long term injury and his, his winning goal against Glenavon that was another big game that you guys managed to turn around as you've seen uh, when he scored the goal how happy everyone was for him um, everyone was delighted for him because we all seen how much work he's put in with Conor McKendry uh, both of them had sort of the same injury at the same time and we've sat and watched them work the whole way through uh, it's COVID, the pandemic, the lockdown um, in the preseason, they've been working their ass off, they, they get back and it showed evidence when he comes back and gets the winning goal and it was great for him It was a great finish as well and again another great comeback and we've, we've talked about Lauren this season that in terms of different ways to win matches, you could win with a bit of style and you could really dominate a game like you did against maybe Dungannon first game of the season but then you've had to kind of rally and win games late on, the, the, the game against Cliftonville Josh Robinson's late goal you know, to come back from behind against Linfield, to, to, to come back from behind against Glenavon. And that's the mark of a good team, isn't it? To find different ways to win matches. As I said, um, teams are going to pull it up to us and we have to find the answers. We we have to find how to break them down and, and get them wins. And we did that. Josh Robinson won against Clembo, which is a huge relief because I felt like we dominated them put them under so much pressure and they were playing for a draw they were hanging on and you've seen how deflated they were when we got that goal it was it was just joy because last season we would have dropped points sir. yeah absolutely and I think that's the mark of how progressive you guys are as a team on and off the pitch and a massive amount of work that, that Tiernan and, and the guys are doing as well I'm sure yeah yeah we work constantly on patterns and how to play and what to play and stuff like that and uh, just everyone gets along with everything and we do the set pieces it, it's just day to day stuff and I feel I'm better technically now than I was um, and I feel like I'm a better 
player now with uh, the coaching of Pairn and Seamus and stuff. Yeah, absolutely. Well, it's been really fantastic to hear about this. I mean, we're coming to the end of the podcast, Thomas. Uh, I've t- I realise I've taken up quite a lot of your time, but I've thoroughly enjoyed our <laughs> chat. It's been it's been absolutely fantastic to learn not just about your your Larn days currently, but obviously your your Cliftonville memories as well. What does the future hold for Larn? Because obviously, and yourself, because obviously we've had this break. You know, we're hoping to kind of get back up and running very soon. We don't know whether that when the Irish Cup might be coming back. We don't know about the situation with that. That must be a bit of frustration for you. This uncertainty about when we're recommencing again and 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 how people will react from this break. Yeah, it's uh, it's tough when you don't know when you're going to play. But as I said, you just need to be ready and you can be called upon at any minute to go. Um, the Irish Cup, it's a bit of a bummer. Like, uh, wanted to get it over and done with, but. Now we can go on to the league, our bread and butter. Uh, hopefully rack up a few more wins and uh, who knows where we're going to go. Yeah. Uh, we're doing pretty well at the minute. We'll see how we're going and our and we'll get about 25 games in then we'll be able to tell yeah absolutely well I, I want to wish Lauren all the best for the second half of the season uh, and yourself personally Tomas uh, thank you it's been absolutely fantastic to have you on Campbell's Footballs thanks for coming on the show not a problem thank you anytime well listener that brings us to the end of yet another episode of Campbell's Footballs I hope this podcast was just what the doctor ordered if you want to listen to previous shows or look out for future shows follow Campbell's Footballs on Apple Spotify Google Podcasts, or wherever you listen to other podcasts. You can also follow the show on Facebook at Campbell's Footballs. Search for me, StatoG91, or Instagram, or other social media channels. But until then, until next time, I hope you enjoyed the crack, and enjoy Campbell's Footballs.